Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. And I'm Tom. We are Team Binge, and welcome back. We're here talking about The Rings of Power, Episode 3, which is called Adar. These episodes have names. I <laughs> learned that in the last pod, so I'm making a note of writing the title in the outline. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you joining us. Hopefully you're enjoying this show as much as we are. And you're also enjoying all the people on the internet talking about it in various ways. (laughs) My recommendation would be block out the noise and just listen to us. Just listen to the smooth (laughs) sounds of Julian and Tom telling you about a show you've already watched and not giving you any more new information other than they're just as confused as you are. Tom, kick us off. All right, this is a fun one. I enjoyed it. It had a lot of action. It had a lot of romance. We got some new characters. So much romance. Um, we get a little bit more lore. We actually go to the Hall of Lore, which is one of my favorite halls. The most uh, romantic so... of places. <laughs> and we got a sweet, sweet beach horse riding sequence, which we will get to. But I am excited to talk about that. Oh, man, the romance in that scene alone <laughs> between... Galadriel, and I'm assuming that's Shadowfax. I don't know. Every every white horse I see in a Lord of the Rings thing, I'm going to assume is Shadowfax or maybe Shadowfax's older brother, Badofax. I was going to think of what happened or what did we send before fax machines? Uh, Shadow Mail. Nice. Yep. Shadow Mail. Yep. Or it, or Shadowfax is a nickname and he's uh, Shadow Facsimile. Maybe that's okay. what it is. Shortened. Anyways, let's start at the top of this episode, which begins where the horror film of the second episode ended, where Aaron Deal was pulled in with steady hands through that weird hanging stuff. I don't know. Uh, Turns out he's captured by orcs, Mm -hmm. and they bring up a name, which is also the name of the episode, which the orcs are all talking about. This guy named Adar. And the plot thickens. What confused me a little bit is the um, name of the world in Lord of the Rings is a very similar name to Adar. It's like Arda. Arda. And so every time they said this, I, I, I got confused. But... Once again, Tom and I we're not we're not here to do deep dives into the lore, um, but I think it's important that our audience knows that I'm confused most of the time, if not all the time. Not only important. not only during this show, but through the majority of my existence. What do you think of the orcs, Tom? Uh, I love the orcs. I continue to be very impressed by like their design, and I I do appreciate the idea that each orc kind of has their own general like. I don't know, just gross faces, teeth, design. Like some of them are big and bulky. Like it's it's pretty wide ranging. I still love that like bone armor. Um, they kind of wear the snake skin stuff, which you know, I, I, the interesting twist they kind of added here is the idea that they're afraid of sunlight or the sunlight burns them. So I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more later. But I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I don't know if that was something that was made out in the original trilogy. I do feel like there's mention of the Urukai being like, hey, they can run all day and all night and like have some resistances. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't remember 
uh, orcs being like vampires. But I do <laughs> want to just backtrack to what you said. Um, you mentioned you love the orcs, so you were going on record pro-orc. You are pro-orc, <laughs> is that correct? I am pro-orc design. I okay. think the design of the probably $13 million they used on just these like orcs in these scenes, fantastic. Worth every penny. 13, $13 million. <laughs> Chump change, as they call it on this show. Um, yeah, so I did think they looked cool. I agree with you. Each orc was like, hey, when you get to your uh, orc bar mitzvah, you get to choose what uh, bone mask you're going to wear, and no one chooses the same one. So um, I feel bad for the orc that chose like the cute animal. Um, he's running. There's around. one in the background. He's wearing like a little bunny skull. It's right, right. Although then that just looks like Donnie Darko, and that's terrifying. We find out that Aaron Deer is captured with both elves and humans, and mm-hmm. they are put to manual labor. It looked like uh, there weren't a lot of OSHA standards going on there, and <laughs> it didn't seem like uh, they had unionized yet. Because No, not yet. They're digging trenches for these orcs to be able to get around. But, uh, yeah, I, the, the assumption is these are just all the folks from all the villages that they've been ransacking, correct? That's my assumption, and okay. I only can assume, Tom, because they did not tell us anything. <laughs> we then cut from there. Galadriel and Halebrand are on a ship. We find out that that ship is captained by Elendil, who is the father of Isildur. And those names should all sound familiar because they eventually lead to the formation of Gondor and mm-hmm. some other stuff but we don't need to get into it. Did you recognize uh, the name Elendil? When, did you know who this guy was as soon as he walked on the great oak ship of uh, the cruiser Numenorian? <laughs> I don't know what it's uh, I didn't know this name. Isildur definitely stands out because of like the, him like, getting his name screamed and him being the one that, you know, takes the ring and uh, does not throw it into the mountain doom. So he has like more name recognition than I feel his father does. So I didn't recognize him immediately, but I do like this actor that plays fantastic uh, Alan Dale. Like his like voice is just like super deep and like, it's like Shakespearean almost. I love every line he says. Yep. I loved him in game of Thrones. I loved him when he was in that play in Oxford. I loved him (laughs) in all those BBC specials. I couldn't tell you if this guy was in any of those things, but if he wasn't, it's a crying shame because he does a darn good job. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed him when he was Indiana Jones's father. He, we find out that these guys on this boat and where Galadriel and Halbrand are headed, or is is to the island nation of Numenor, uh, which is the westernmost island before you get to the undying lands of where the mm-hmm. elves go. Mm -hmm. Um, and just some quick nerd stuff. Numenor is like, once again, the nation of people that eventually leads to Gondor. They kind of move in and populate more of, of middle earth. They also, uh, rebel against, uh, the Valar because they're offended. They can't, they can't take their ships over the undying land. Um, because they feel (laughs) like the gods are kind of, besmirching them the ability to live Mm. uh, eternal lives so that conflict Mm. eventually shows up i don't know if it'll show up in this show but that's something that happens 
Because, yeah, they kind of make mention of it where Galadriel kind of does the exposition to Halbrand and kind of tells him, like, this is, you know, like, you know, they're not the same kind of humans that you are because you were the um, ones that kind of rose up and had a blood oath with Morgoth versus these humans who are kind of special. And they're the ones that sided with the elves and the elves gave them this island. So there's already kind of that, like, animosity that kind of gets set up here. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. This whole town looks lovely. Looks like a place that uh, Travel Zoo every once in a while will send me an email and be like, hey, five nights for this much uh, two-person villa with a rooftop pool. One day I'm going to stay in a place with a rooftop pool, Tom. (laughs) Is that your goal? Bucket list item? Yes. Yes, sir, it is. We meet the queen. The queen's name is Muriel. She seems... Lovely. Everyone bows to her. There's a tradition where everyone (laughs) bows in Numenor. We all know it. Uh, You had to be a fool not to know it. I love that quick little line from Hellbrand. It's like, Neil, no one kneels in Numenor. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. There are some funny moments in this show. It has such weight and gravity, but yeah, Mm -hmm. certainly very funny. The introductions are great. Galadriel is like, I'm the commander of the northernmost forces. Uh, I'm the winner of all the battles, and I stab snow trolls in the face with this <laughs> dagger that you took from me. And Halbrand's like, Halbrand, from the south side, baby. Something like that. I don't know. The introductions were great. They asked for passage to Middle-earth, which the Numenorians don't seem all that keen on. There's a lot of rabble-rousing in the background, which there's something about a crowd scene and I don't know if, is it a Simpsons episode or something where they just have the mob be like, rabble, 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 rabble. <laughs> like, they, like, they just say it. And there's certain shows that just do it, do it so poorly that you're like, that's not really how a crowd sounds or reacts. But <laughs> yeah. this one, I don't know. This one, there was rabble, 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 rabble. <laughs> it and- was kind of comedic. Like, the, all this back and forth with, I don't know, the, like the Queen's reactions, Galadriel's reactions, they all just seem so silly and out of place. I guess the idea is just continue to push the narrative that elves hate humans, humans hate elves, and, you know, they're both going to just yell at each other and not, like, it seemed like a pretty reasonable ask, right? Hey, can I just take a, a little skiff? I'll get out of your hair. We'll be out of the way. Done. Right. Like, so the other option is they kill them or they stay on the island forever. Like, I don't see a whole lot of, <laughs> yeah. like, other options. Why not send them back if you don't? Like, I didn't appreciate, and I don't feel like the the show really explained why. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's just that the Numenorians never travel to Middle-earth. But that seems strange because if they can't travel to the Undying Lands and they can't travel to Middle-earth, what are they doing with all these boats? These are just, <laughs> it's just like a counterclockwise uh, pre- uh, pleasure cruise around the island. I don't know what's going on. Uh, that's also on Travel Zoo. You can do a three-night sunset um, coast ride around Numenor. We See are the not, faces of Numenor. <laughs> we are not sponsored by Travel Zoo. Just, uh, we could be, though. Halbrand is great here. He's the peacemaker. And mm-hmm. I like to think that as the third son in a group of siblings i am often playing this role in terms of (laughs) and halbrand immediately like i mean let's just cut to the chase galadriel sometimes is not great with people she's like very (laughs) confrontational like not one for like a little bit of politicking i think Mm -hmm. that's why her and elrond are probably a good pair 
Um, <laughs> but Halbrand's like, uh, listen, hey, you know, sounds like maybe this isn't the greatest option. Why don't you give us three days? We'll let you think about it. By the way, you look great. Love the dress. Like, I don't know. It was... Uh... Anyways, I, I love a peacemaker in the room. They always make... Like, shows always make them seem, like, so smooth. But you're like, isn't he the just, like, reasonable one in the room? Isn't that mm-hmm. how we should all be in a situation like this? But Well, and you feel like Galadriel is, like, an elf that lives a very, very long life. I get that she's, like, she doesn't like humans. We've established that, I think, multiple times already. Like, she feel like she'd be more diplomatic. Else they would just literally lock you in a cell, and you could just live, uh, live there and rot for seemingly eternity, however long elves live. Tact, tact is a leadership trait. Look it up. Look it up. <laughs> Um, yeah, anyways, great scene. We find out it's three days in Numenor, which Mm -hmm. is either three days in Numenor is either like a house music song that some DJ wrote, (laughs) um, or it should be a spinoff movie, um, three days in Numenor. And we just follow these two around as they fall Mm -hmm. in love, you know? (laughs) Um, and then one becomes, um, just like the talented Mr. Ripley murders the other (laughs) spoilers. Sorry. Halbrand, uh, this is where we find Halbrand's really good with his hands. You know, he's a bit of a <laughs> sneaky sneak. I like how they did this, too, because the second he gives him a hug, I'm like, oh, okay, he's stealing his dagger. <laughs> like, immediately knew what was going on. I think later on when he steals, like, the, the blacksmith's uh, little medallion guy, they, they show it on screen, which I appreciate. It's not just, like, a bump. Like, the, you can actually see the actor take it from right. him, which I think is kind of cool. Yep. All I have to say is that Halbrand has stolen my heart. <laughs> Once again, I I don't understand why they can't go back. Did you did I miss something? Did you catch something that I missed maybe? Uh, this island's not a secret. That's what I don't understand. Yeah, I mean it's just kind of out there. I do appreciate they give us like the map view when they go back to like the Southlands to see exactly where Numenor was because I don't know if I necessarily knew that it was kind of across the Sundering Sea or whatever. But I mean my only initial inclination inclination is spite uh the queen is just spiteful and just mm. okay and elf is here i'm gonna do a spite mm. or just for character development because numenor is a dope place and they want to keep the characters there for a while sure uh, and have some uh, dialogue back and forth between them sure so one is character driven one is story driven <laughs> i gotta be honest you could have just stopped at spite i do a lot of things <laughs> in my life out of spite it's a great motivator uh, if my wife still listens to us right now she'll be uh, understanding this because Shaking her head. <laughs> I am driven by spite. We have a conversation with Captain Ellen Deal. We find out that he is, I guess it's not with him, it's about him, but we find mm-hmm. out he's of a noble line. He's now a sea guardsman. Uh, he's got a son. And then we cut to the Sea Guardian Academy and a <laughs> Silder. Yes. And this. Takes us to boat school. Tom, you can have the floor. Talk to us about... As, you're a sailor. A good man. Tell us tell us about sailing school. Yeah, these uh, students that he was with did not do a great job of tacking the windboard round or whatever he was right, told to do. Right, not to the starboard. Sure. Yep. <laughs> uh, I do like the introduction of Sildor because this is definitely a character that the audience is likely familiar with if they've seen the movies in the franchise before. The young version of a Sildor. Um, I do, I think it's kind of cool the way they do him, like hearing his name whisper, like he's kind of like daydreaming and looking off on, I'm assuming the island, looking at to Numenor and he kind of hears his name echoed and then he gets like a voice screaming in the background, which is kind of echoey of somebody screaming like, Sildur, 
which took me right back to the movies. I wonder right. if it's kind of like a call forward or a call back to the movies of him kind of like sealed or cast the thing into the fire and him kind of saying no. Um, otherwise, I don't know why he's like hearing whispers quite yet because he doesn't have any rings uh, with him. Um, but I thought it was kind of a cool nod if it was to the movies. Sure. That or maybe he has some sort of um, growth pushing on that part of his brain that is causing <laughs> him to hear his voice in Sauron, causing him to hear his name in Sauron's voice. And that explains maybe some of the decisions he makes later in life. Yeah, I think it's uh, a Tuminor. A Tuminor. Oh, Tom. <laughs> Tom. Oh, Tom. <laughs> oh, incredible work. Incredible work. I'm writing it down. That was a great moment. Um, I, just for our audience, if you aren't following, because we mentioned he's in the, the trilogy, but just so you understand, Isildur is the one that cuts the ring from Sauron's hand, mm-hmm. takes over the ring, and then is in Mount Doom with Elrond. Um, Blake, who? Is Elrond. Elrond, grown mm-hmm. up, grown up Elrond, Mr. Smith Elrond, and he <laughs> won't throw it into Mount Doom, he takes it, and then he is killed, and that's when the ring goes into the river, which mm-hmm. Smeagol then finds. There you go. That's a Sildur. That's as much lore as we're doing on the show for you. <laughs> um, there's some sea drama where the kid is holding a rope, and he gets slung up into the air, and listen, I'm enjoying the show, Tom. I would never be critical of the Rings of Power. You know me. I'm just not that, that type of guy. I recently rewatched the first episode of Ted Lasso, and I've decided I lost it for a while, but I'm back to being the positive guy that Lasso <laughs> created that caused us to start this podcast. Sometimes shows just like put in an action scene because I think someone came in and they were like, hey, it's a lot of talking like through all this. And so we need this character no one cares about to be caught up in a rope so that we can show <laughs> that, like, Isildur is competent. Mm-hmm. But, like, I-, I don't know. This was one of those things I was like, all right, cool. Like, the sea's dangerous. Uh, the sea also has several mottos that <laughs> I'm going to give you the floor on. Can you give us the sea mottos, um, well, please? You have you have the ones from, like, the teacher or professor. I don't know. What, what do you call a... Uh... Uh, a, a teacher of a guardian sea guardian academy probably the sailmaster. i don't Ooh, know i like that okay so the sailmaster gives two great quotes he's kind of like there's no harsher master than the sea and they all kind of pop up on land and then they do the kind of call and response thing where he's like the sea is always right and everybody repeats after him uh i would have liked to see the alternate lines these are some that i came up with sure. they could have shopped to these uh i think they should have said instead of the sea is always right Life is simple, just add water. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Wild and free, just like the sea. <laughs> let the sea, like let the sea set you free. Okay, yes, I still mean, with the rhyming. And then yep. My personal favorite, high tides, good vibes. High tides, good vibes. <laughs> just out there drinking a Bacardi and rum. Wait, no, Bacardi is a rum. That doesn't make sense. Uh, I like them all, Tom. You did a, you did a great job. Here's, I mean, here's the deal. It seems to be a group of like kind of teenagers, right? Or young mm-hmm. young men. Mm-hmm. Um, if an instructor was like, the sea is always right. There's one, uh, there's one donkey in the back of that group that's right. The sea is always wrong, and like they're <laughs> snickering. There's just no way. Um, and uh, honestly, that motto confuses me a bit. What does that mean? The sea is always right. Um, I mean, sometimes you got to go left. 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the C is, I guess the C is a Republican, apparently. <laughs> uh, we're nine days to graduation of these mm-hmm. Sea Guardians, so they become seamen after that. Correct. Uh, and then while these, and this is Isildur talking with his goofy buddies, guaranteed one of them is like, the sea is always wrong. <laughs> um, and then we meet his sister, and her name has those two dots over it, so I don't really know how to pronounce it. Yarian? Sure. That sounds right. You can, you can, <laughs> you can be the pronunciation guy. <laughs> I think technically Numenor has it as well, so it's supposed to be like Numenor. Or I don't know. Galadriel says it a lot cooler than I could. Galadriel says everything cooler than everyone could <laughs> in any movie she's in or show. <laughs> we Okay, so we meet the sister. Uh, I don't think we really discover anything in this meeting. Nope. We then cut to the throne room. We see a white tree of Numenor, which is mm-hmm. also a descendant of those two main trees. This one haps, happens to be called Nimloth, which... Sorry, Tom. I, I went into some more lore. I'm just going to give you the tree's name, though. That's all. What's, does it have, like, a brother tree, Nimrod? <laughs> no, they set that one on fire. Um, <laughs> the queen is talking with Ellen Deal, and she's like, hey, doesn't your name mean something? And he's like, yeah, it means this. And she's like, doesn't it mean something else? And he's <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, in the old tongue, it means elf friend. And it was kind of like, you know, he didn't... Rubble, 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 rubble. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, you know he didn't name himself, though. Just because, <laughs> like, just because his name is Elfrand doesn't, like, he didn't choose that. But Well, I do feel like a lot of, like, this time stuff, it's always like if your family, your blood, you always kind of get thrown into, like, your blood. Your father called you this, so then you must be this as well. Sure, sure. And he was like, well, your name's Muriel, so you like mirrors. And (laughs) they got into an argument, which led nowhere, because arguments are bad. They start questioning him about why he brings the elf to the land, and the big T word is thrown out there. Treason. The treason, yes. I don't. I mean, I don't like this. Like, I get the queen doesn't like elves, but there's just loads and loads of bigotry of just... Like, I don't like them because they're different, seemingly. There's no reason really given to us as to why. And I'm sure they're doing that for a purpose. Because I think we even get later on where the queen goes up to, I guess, the king's bedside. I guess we're to assume that the, the king, because she goes to see her father, right? Um, mm-hmm. And almost like prophesizes, hey, the elf is here. What we got to do? So maybe she knows more than she's kind of putting on. But I'm not a huge fan of this this sequence. And she doesn't come off very good. I do have another question, though. So... When the queen asks him to perform a service, and then the other guy kind of comes in and just hands him a sword, like, what did you think the service was? Well, I thought she was asking him to clean that sword <laughs> and then return it back to them in at least 24 hours, because I think she said light on the starch, which <laughs> everyone knows you should not heavy starch a sword. Um, my other assumption was that she was like hey I need you to go stab the elf warrior leader commander of the northern armies to which Ellen Deal should have been like "Uh, no thank you she will murder me (laughs) yeah it was just weird like it it screamed to me that she wanted 
him to use the sword to murder Galadriel, yet the very next sequence we get is, you know, him just saying, oh, by the way, Queen asked me to just watch over you. So you no, need the ceremonial sword to watch over him? Y- yes, this is I think this is a show thing. This is a this is the show was trying to like throw you off and be like, okay. Oh, the queen wants her dead. And so she like you know, they're giving him the classic the classic assassin's tool, a giant <laughs> sword that everyone can see Ornate. that's inlaid. It's got like the queen's name on it on a piece of masking tape and sharpie. <laughs> so no one'll know who sent him. I don't know. Yeah, I th- once again, I think I think you can get cynical when you watch too many shows, <laughs> which true. maybe I need to do something else with my life. But no, <laughs> to your point, it was like the show was implying, hey, I need you to go kill her. But mm-hmm. in the end, it was like, oh, surprise. She just wants him to like watch over her. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. no, you're 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 not you're closer <laughs> to my you're closer than my laundering of the sword um, mm-hmm. thoughts. OK, we cut to the Southlands. Aaron Deer, he's working hard. They're doing some manual labor. We find out that once again, as you mentioned before, the orcs are afraid of sunlight, so they can only travel in trenches that are covered with umbrellas. <laughs> yeah, they're vampire umbrellas, apparently. Yep. Aaron Deer is talking to one of the other elves, and I think this is where we get like, and they did this in like the. Um, like previously on the very beginning, they give us a shot. I think it's Revian is his name, who was kind of like the commander of the night tower or whatever when they were kind of posted. So it kind of like brings him back. And I thought the guy was like a relatively bigger actor. I don't know what I'd seen him for from, but I think that's why he kind of brought back here. Tom? Yeah. I'm going to let you know something. Mm-hmm. When you watched this, did you know who the two other elves were? Correct. Because you I did. watched the previously on. The previously on shows both of these. The other, the one that was killed is one of the other ones, I think. It might have been the one he was like patrolling with in the very first episodes. Tom, if you skip the previously on, you have no idea who these two people are. <laughs> I can confirm this because I watched this episode twice, had no idea who those two were. I literally have it in the notes. That character dies. Why do I care? <laughs> And it wasn't until today I saw something on, I think, our Twitter feed that someone had posted about, hey, shout out to these two guys. And it had like side by side pictures. And I was like, I did not know. <laughs> I went in, I, I walked in, I went to my wife and I was like, hey, you know, those two guys that die, the one that gets arrowed and the one that gets his his, um, his neck a little bit uh, cut. Um <laughs> Did you know they were his his patrolling partner and then the watch officer? And she was like, nope, no idea. So I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's a large population of the world right now that does not know that that was the same. Because I don't think if you don't watch the previous line, you know who that is. And I think that that's fair. I think the way they, like all the elves, especially all those elves, I think were in that kind of cool muted gray armor with like um i don't know like trees kind of carved into them like they do all like have a similar vibe and because there's so many characters it is difficult to discern some of them from them um so i could get that but that's why a show like this it's like game of thrones too that had just so many characters i'm always going to watch those previously ons the other thing too as i watch those is because they're they'll they'll give you like if they did like a hint in 
I mean, this obviously we're only in the third episode, but say it's like season four of a series, they'll give you like a flashback from like a season two, episode one thing that is going to have a callback to the current episode you're watching. So I always make a point to watch that because they're reminding me about things that are going to show up in this episode. Tom, mm-hmm. we are three episodes in and two of those episodes dropped in the same week. <laughs> I do not feel like I should have to watch a previously on Apparently to not understand. You do. <laughs> oh, I, I was blown away by this because I totally didn't understand. I was like, I was like, why are there two random elves here? They don't like introduce themselves. I don't even feel like they come across as like they know each other. It it was so strange to me. I was like, okay, <laughs> there's just two elves here. I had no idea who these guys were. No idea. I'll go out on a limb and say I probably didn't even know they were elves until the second viewing. <laughs> Which is terrible. And <laughs> hey, we're doing a podcast on this where we're having to watch this multiple times, take notes. Man. Listen, I I need some support here. For those of you that are just realizing with me <laughs> that the two, okay, and we're talking about we're talking about the elf that is with Aaron Deer that takes the drink of water and then the orc cuts his throat mm-hmm. and then the older one who eventually Revian, runs out of the what? His name is Revian, I think. His name doesn't matter cuz he's dead. <laughs> he runs out of the trench and gets shot by arrows very dramatically. Spoilers. If you did not know those were the same people that uh, one Aaron Deer patrols with and he tells him he smells, it's that guy, and that it's also his watch officer that's like, it's not about what humans did all that long ago, it's about who they still are, that's the other, that's the guy that gets arrowed. <laughs> Please email me in support at teambingepodcast at gmail.com or start a Twitter account and then send me your support. I really think... I am not alone in realizing this because two people in my household, two of two in the household that watches this, uh, did not understand who those people were. Well, one of one in this household did. Oh, yeah. You're watching alone over there. You've been abandoned. All Uh, right. Okay. So anyways, uh, getting back to the show here, um, they talk about adar or adar whatever being sauron and that he's kind of going or he's looking for something right so a couple questions first one what is he looking for is the assumption is he's looking for that hilt of that sword that the kid found oh i'm sure because aaron deer's first response is like a weapon and i'm like okay so the show is telling you he's looking for a weapon thanks aaron deer okay and then he makes mention of like why is he going or why is he using the elvish word uh adar as opposed to like sauron and it it started to make me question like is this really sauron here because revian even says like a little line he's like oh he goes by many names perhaps this is one of them um just that idea of perhaps and kind of throwing a little bit of question on this made me question this okay thoughts or do you think who we saw at the very end in fuzzy cam is sauron i assume it is i don't think this show is I don't think they've created a different big bad for this show because I think the world needs Sauron. I mean, I don't think they did either. I just feel like they might be like misdirecting a little bit. Okay. Like this isn't, this maybe isn't the actual Sauron and he's going by it. Cause to your point, like why bring in this interesting, unique name that already has other world building elements. If the whole continent or world or globe is called Arda. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I will tell you that Adar is a name that they created for the show. 
Okay. That's not in other lore. So I don't know, but I do think it's going to be Sauron. Okay. Because okay. as I just said, the world needs Sauron. That's what my <laughs> license plate says. That's what most of the t-shirts say. When I go door to door and I knock on people's door, I tell them the world needs Sauron. And then I hand them the Silmarillion. <laughs> pamphlet. A pamphlet that summarizes the Silmarillion. <laughs> it's 400 pages long. Uh, the Silmarillion itself is only 300 pages, but in order to explain it, you need a pamphlet that's 400 pages long. I love all this. I love everything about Lord of the Rings, so don't at me if you're disappointed in my takes. They need to... Okay, this is where they draw up a plan, and they're mm-hmm. like, hey, we need to ex- escape... Then we need to bring back an army, and the only thing stopping this plan is a tree, a tree that's mm-hmm. in the way. And they really defend this tree. This tree means a, a lot to them. And this leads to a little bit of disagreement with their orc guards. <laughs> One orc guard who seems super cool is like, hey, listen, I got gotcha. you. Trees are cool. I like trees. I grew up in one. Uh, here, have some water. You uh, got a lot of gumption. Here's some water. And then he kills the one. And <laughs> that character has a name. I don't know what it was. And I didn't know that he knew Aaron Deer until after the episode. So uh, I did not care when this character died. I'm sorry. I'll just say it out loud. No, I'm pretty sure it was Steve. So when Steve is <laughs> drinking his water. Steve the elf. <laughs> Steve, Steve makes the uh, classic error of not like using two hands to bring the water yep. up to. He uses yep. one, which exposes his neck. And then he gets seemingly just a little paper cut kind of on the side. Um, it didn't seem to hit his jugular. I don't know where the jugular is. I've seen them some movies. It's usually in the center. Well, I don't a, know. This is an elf, Tom. They've got totally yeah. different anatomies. <laughs> they got jugulars everywhere. Right. <laughs> just not in the neck. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he kind of dies rather quickly. And un- I guess not unceremoniously. Like uh, Ardair is like, Aaron Deer, sorry, is kind of like huddled over him or whatever. But I mean, he dies very, very quickly with not a whole lot of blood, but I'm sure the show is just trying to be a little bit less brutal. Yeah, this is they're trying to get the not Game of Thrones audience, so there's a <laughs> lot less incest, nudity, and violence, which I can appreciate because I don't mind turning this show on when my kids are in the room. Um, and my kids are like, oh, hey, that's those two elves from earlier in that other episode, the new Aaron Deer. And I'm like, go watch roblox or something i don't know if kids watch roblox but aaron deer volunteers to cut the tree and i would just like to point out that <laughs> the roots of the tree are the issue so cutting down the tree and leaving the giant trunk with all the roots i don't know that this is going to solve anything and so this is where i kind of thought we're just going to leave a stump well, and he even makes a, a a note that Arevian or whatever is like, listen, this is not smart for us to cut down this tree. We can just kind of dig around it and yep. we'd be great. But clearly they wanted to create a stump so they can have stump fest. Stump fest. Uh, everybody loves a stump fest. For our Love Bluey heads uh, that watch Bluey, stump fest is one of the greatest episodes ever. Stump fest. An adult's play date, stump fest. <laughs> Anyways. We have a very dramatic moment where Aaron Deal has a two-bladed axe and he starts cutting that tree. And I'm no lumberjack, but I've got some issue with his technique. <laughs> we cut from there to Numenor. Galadriel's walking around. 
oh, she like jumps from a second story. She's like, oh, checking out boats, how she's going to get off the island. Uh, which I don't really think she's given this island much of a chance. You know, she hasn't even seen the sights. She hasn't great. rode down the canals. <laughs> uh, she hasn't seen the Leaning Tower of Numenor. <laughs> she runs into Ellen Deal. He's like, hey, don't escape. Galadriel is super not friendly to him. He gives some speech about, like, I've got two kids. They both have crazy eyes. You've got crazy eyes, so I've got to watch <laughs> over you. The queen told me I had to. She's like, everyone's terrible. He's like, oh, I speak your language. And we have a king that was deposed because he likes elves. Huh? And we've (laughs) also got a hall of lore, which you get to by riding. And she's like, riding what? And he's like, (laughs) you ride on an animal. And she's like, what animal? And he's like, it's an animal that you put a saddle on. And she's like, a saddle on what? And he's like, a horse. And she's like, I love horses. And then what do we cut to, Tom? We cut to this beautiful cologne commercial uh, of running through the, uh, I guess, the kind of the beach, the cloven hooves kind of going super slow-mo. Like, I was for it. It was beautiful. They got the cool CGI kind of in the background of the castle that they're kind of running to. I did not need, like, the super close-up of her, like, seemingly as, like, a kid uh, has never ridden a horse or apparently been a millennia since she's ridden, ridden a horse with this big old smile on her face. It was just weird and didn't seem to be needed. Was that a smile or was that a grimace? It was <laughs> it was a it was an aggressive smile. Um and then it it like it like fades to and it's like eternity from <laughs> Mark Jacobs or I don't know who does cologne. Uh no 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 give me another give me another shot. Run that back. It's like eternity Miley Cyrus. I don't know who. I don't know. It, well, it'd be a perfume, so it'd be like uh, Eternadia, Dolly Parton. I don't. I don't know. I don't know who makes colognes. I just know that there's something about that blue color of her like dress and the way it like slow motion twirls. Like I don't know. I guess I'd buy. I'd buy it. Sorry. I. <laughs> <laughs> After all that, you're buying this cologne or yeah. perfume? Perfume, sure. <laughs> smells like horses. Smells like horses. <laughs> I hope it's made from horses. Halbrand is trying to get a job. He's in the middle of a job interview. He's like, hey, man, I can work late hours. I don't need benefits. I want to be a blacksmith. Just give me a chance. It's like one of those Indeed commercials where you feel bad for the person until they get a job. The blacksmith's like, listen... You can't be a blacksmith unless you have this cool medallion, which mm-hmm. is not going to foreshadow something that's going to happen in the next part of the show, <laughs> which finds us with Halbrand. He quit on that interview real quick. He's like, fine, I'm going to go get something to eat. And he's at, I guess, the the uh, local soup kitchen because he doesn't have any money. Like, what's he... What's he he doing? had money, man. He eventually bought everybody drinks. Like he shows coins, so I guess he gave uh, the queen gave him some per diem. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say he's just been stealing from people left and right. <laughs> Halbrand. Three Days in Numenor is a movie about Halbrand pickpocketing people, <laughs> and then eventually teaming up with an old pickpocket who's washed up. Name I don't know whatever Paul Newman's name was in the. Um, that movie about pool with tom cruise anyways those are a lot of references i'll move on <laughs> that didn't probably make much sense i loved it 
I do appreciate the, the guy color that of money. Comes over. The color of money was the movie. The color of money. No. Or the hustler. Boom. The hustler was the first one. <laughs> color of money was the one with Tom Cruise. Boom! I've got it. Cocktails was it? Cocktails? <laughs> no, um, that's when Tom Cruise wants to be the most professional of bartenders. He wants to be a famous bartender <laughs> after getting out of the military, as one does. Of course, of course. Um, if you actually look closely in the background, you can see Tom Cruise, like you know, shaking up some martinis. Um, I do appreciate this uh, this first guy that kind of comes over and starts harassing Halbrand. He definitely kind of looks like a wannabe, like third rate Julius Caesar. Did you get mm-hmm. those vibes? I did get those vibes. I expected <laughs> him to get stabbed in the groin by Brutus at any moment, <laughs> but that did not happen. Instead, he got his face smashed against a wall brutally. This is where you're talking about Halbrand does some quick sleight of hand. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, Halbrand being the peacemaker. He's like, oh, rounds on me. Everyone's getting happy and drunk and, you know, blah, blah, blah. He puts his arm around Julius Caesar, steals his toga token, which is also the blacksmith token. And I thought to myself, I don't think if you show up to the blacksmith's place and you're like, hey, I got a crest, the blacksmith's going to be like, no, 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 no. You have to earn the crest. You don't just show up with the... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe... I don't know. I don't know. He's not going to go to the same blacksmith because he's already played his hand there. He'll go to another blacksmith and say, hey, man, I came from, you know, West Coast, Numenor. Uh, you know, I'm resettling here with my lady. Uh, we need... Do some blacksmithing. Here's my coin. His lady we need. I... You are much smarter than me, because I would have gone back to the same blacksmith and been like, hey, I got this crest. So, uh, congratulations, Tom. You are a better criminal than I am. And a better detective, as we discovered when we watched the after party. Halbrand, at this point, departs. He goes down an alley. The joyous occasion of them drinking and everything does not last long, because he quickly gets followed by a couple of guys in blue togas. We discovered that Halbrand's a really good puncher. Punched people mm-hmm. well. My wife missed the arm snapping, so I had to rewind Ooh. it for her. And then she said something to me like, did you rewind that just so I had to watch that? And I giggled because she does not like those kind of things. Julius Caesar gets his face smashed in. That ends Halbrand's time beating up, I think, five dudes in an alley because the city guard shows up with mm-hmm. those long pokey sticks. In Numenor, they're called... Spearinors. <laughs> Nailed it. I do appreciate those because this gives us a little bit of the idea that, okay, we haven't seen Hallbrand like in action yet, and he's clearly a very capable uh, person here. And I think we find out later when Gladriel kind of meets him in the prison that he there's there's he's like a transformer. There's more than meets the eye. Maybe a Decepticon. <laughs> exactly. Transformers more than meets the eye. Transformers more than meets the eye of Sauron. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
Then we find ourselves with Galadriel. She's in this sweet scroll library. <laughs> There's a bunch of maesters with all their cool chains wandering around. <laughs> Wrong series. Oh, what? <laughs> I think that's Game of Thrones is the maesters with the chains. But uh, we do get a little bit of like backstory with... Elrond's brother, which I don't know if I knew he did have a brother with Elros, who apparently built this place and kept it up and did all the scrolls. Did you know of him? Is he going to be important? It sounds like he's going to be. I did not know about him. I just knew about the quality of this painting and how <laughs> really it, capture the likeness. Really capture the likeness. No, I don't know who his brother is, and I don't know how his brother is coming into play. I didn't look him up either, so I have no idea. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. This is where we have the big reveal of the episode, mm. where she's been hunting down this sigil of Morgoths, and we find out that the sigil, if you turn it sideways, you find out the initials are LT. That's right. Lieutenant LT Smash. <laughs> That's what we find out. <laughs> What did you think of this reveal? Was it cheesy or was it cool? I'm still kind of on the fence. I don't know. Okay, well, I'll push you off the fence. It was it was dumb. I it was it was dumb. I was like, I, wait, it's a map? I don't. It's kind of. Uh, I don't know. I. It, it is what it is. I, I I still like the show. I, I I. This I was not blown away by this. And if they wanted me to be blown away by it, they're gonna have to blow harder because it did not. <laughs> Do it for me. I I don't know. We find out she then very quickly is like, oh, because they have a they have a um, what do you call it? They have a oh, help me out, Tom. Um, where where a show dumps a lot of information on you in order to explain it. Yeah, they have a letter of expedition from a prisoner spy or whatever. Wait, wait, wait. not expedition exposition okay they have a letter of expedition from a (laughs) a spy prisoner and we find out that there was a plan that in case morgoth was defeated that evil can all move to the southlands to thrive and i was like listen i don't know morgoth all that well but something tells me morgoth didn't have a contingency plan if things didn't go well like I just don't think evil does that a lot of time because uh, they're probably like, oh, we're going to win at all costs. And Mm -hmm. when they turn to their second in command and they're like, everyone's ready and we're going to win this battle, the second command's like, oh, yes, sir, we are, we are. (laughs) Just like uh, what's happening in another part of the world right now. The the yes men are all saying yes to the big bat, so... Do you think that, I agree with you, I don't think Morgoth is going to have the contingency plan, but do you think Sauron might have had a contingency plan? As like the second in command, he's kind of thinking, listen, if this guy goes down, I need to have a backup. That, to me, makes more sense. What would make more sense to me is if Sauron spilled his coffee and it made this weird symbol, and years later, when they're like, oh, this was a map of the Southlands where you wanted us all to gather when Morgoth defeated. <laughs> and Sauron was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm, I can see into the future. And then everyone's like, A-dar, A-dar. Like, yeah, I would believe that. I don't know. But maybe that's because all the leaders in my life are like that. 
I do like though the the sequence here. This is to me again another kind of callback to the movies or the uh, Lord of the Rings series with kind of Galadriel finding out about the great evil um, in this kind of library. We see Gandalf doing the same thing when he kind of learns about the ring and you know that it's inscribed and it will light to fire. So I think that's kind of a, a cool little idea of both of the Gandalf and Galadriel here finding out about great evil from reading text. And sure, being sure. More knowledgeable. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I mean, it just goes to show that if you want to rid the world of email, I'm sorry. Ooh, let me go that. <laughs> let me re- let me redo that. <laughs> you are not cutting that. It just goes to show that if you want to rid the world of not email, but evil, which those are can be equivalent depending on what time of day, you just need to burn all the scrolls and books. Because if there's no books or scrolls, there's no evil and you'd never know about it. So... I think we're all on the same page. Burn the written word. And Tom loves orcs. All right. I never thought I'd hear myself saying this, but thank God we go to the Harfoots. Uh, give give me Harfoots. You know, we're at the Harfoot Festival. This is right before their big migration. We get them chanting. They're like, hey, we're going to beat you over the head with this culture where Nori's the only one that wants to go uh, have an adventure so they're mm-hmm. like uh, our words our house words are nobody goes off trail and nobody walks alone <laughs> unless you're too slow then you're gonna walk alone and we're gonna abandon you <laughs> but we'll say your name nicely years later i don't know i felt like i was on mushrooms in this scene when they kind of cut to it <laughs> oh yeah all these right. weird like outfits and like these wolf heads or something i don't know they're trying to ward off evil spirits or something it was trippy Yes, yes, it was. It was trippy, and you were not on mushrooms. They just made it <laughs> super great. Nori's dad has still got his bad ankle, which the stranger snapped with a stick, and we find out that migration's going to be a little bit of an issue for them because they've got to pull the old wagon along, mm-hmm. but as long as they stay in front, they'll be A-OK. I do want to admit, so in that very pivotal uh, previously on thing at the beginning of the episode, they do a quick cut of him, the stranger, playing with the stick uh, and his leg breaking or his ankle breaking or whatever. So kudos with you. I didn't put that together. The show is clearly telling us again that Gandalf or, or not Gandalf, who I think is Gandalf the stranger, had something to do with his ankle breaking. I'm just going to let Three. everyone know that Amazon invited Tom to their studios. So when he just called the stranger Gandalf, I think he just violated the NDA <laughs> that Bezos's uh, ex-wife made him sign. Um, but 13 internet points for you. Thank you. I'll use them on a keychain and probably <laughs> one Jolly Rancher at the Peter Piper Pizza. Nope, just a, just a Jolly Rancher. Just a Jolly Rancher. Man. That's a pressure I would never be able to handle in my life, being the kid behind that counter when kids come up with their tickets, and they're like, sir, I'd like to get this and this, and you got to be like, listen, kid, I'm sorry, but you're short three tickets. And the kid's like, but my stepdad only gave me so many tokens. And you're like, sorry, kid, no weird plastic frog that you push down and it leaps for you. Um, Don't choke on that Jolly Rancher. Anyways, that was my childhood. Nora needs the star chart from Sadik stuff, so mm-hmm. cut in the Mission Impossible theme song, I believe, at this point, but in yeah. Bear McCreary's um, kind of thing. 
I don't know what the book is. Like, it seems just be loaded with prophecy. There's a lot of star charts. We already kind of said that, you know, he saw the picture of a wolf and humans with, you know, elk ears or whatever, or elk horns. So I don't know what this is, but it's seemingly very important. I wonder if we're going to get more of it. But yeah, kind of a classic distraction, calling out different directions from her friend to be able to steal this portion of the map for the stranger. Yeah, when Nori's under the desk trying to grab it. I don't think of it as a prophecy book. I think what it is is a like a history. And so like when he sees the picture of the wolves and the hunters, like when he's looking at that, mm. it's I don't think it's a prophecy. Oh, okay. What it is is like the cycle of, hey, when this happens, oh, it's time for the migration. Like it's that time that's of fair. year. Um, so that's what I got an understanding. And like the constellations, someone charted the constellations over time. Mm. And so that that was my thought. We get a Harfoot meeting, a family mm-hmm. meeting, as we like to call it in my house, <laughs> where they all remember the dead, but they don't call them dead. They call them something else, something a little bit gentler. And what we find out here is these guys do not wait for the slow wagon. <laughs> well, their chant is, we wait for you, but it doesn't seem like they do. And it was funny because every time I heard, we wait for you, I just couldn't help but think of the greater good. Hot the greater good. The <laughs> Everybody greater just repeating good. that constantly. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's funny. They read off these names. People are sad. I get the sense that we find out her friend, and I'm blanking on her name, lost like her whole family during mm-hmm. the last uh, migration. That actress does a great job. She looks super sad. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for Blovo. Um, <laughs> it's like. Killed by bees, and everyone, like, chuckles. <laughs> and he's like, we loved him, but he was a real idiot. And I was like, ooh, that is tough. Uh, shots fired at Blovo in his absence. Uh, Poor guy who was just allergic. He couldn't control that. Right, right. He's like, I'm going to get all of you honey. And they're like, yeah, cool, thanks, Blovo. Dead. Stung a million times. Shout out to Blovo. The stranger, oh, while they're having this family meeting, the stranger shows up, he finds the star map, he sets it on fire. Tom, (laughs) what's this guy's deal? Just, what's this guy's deal? What's happening here? I'm pretty sure he's like Marshall from the Paw Patrol. He's just a a klutz, a bumbling idiot. I'm sorry, can you give, can you give... A different reference point than Paw Patrol? No. What? what? I didn't know that. So one of the, one of why are you sad? Did one of the Paw Patrol dogs die? Oh, man. That Listen, was, I have uh, a three-year-old. These are my references. We oh, talk about man. Bluey a bunch on this podcast. And, yeah, it's it's the running gag in Paw Patrol that uh, Marshall's kind of the klutz. So I guess he's the klutz. But, I mean, I don't know. If this stranger's only been a human or in this form for a couple of days, you know, he's, he's still learning some stuff. Give him a break. Okay, so this is a born yesterday. This is... <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll make a better reference. This is Brendan Fraser in Encino Man. Am I right? Just like first time in the world, a little bit of Polly Shore helping him out. Was Polly Shore in never mind, it doesn't matter. Everyone <laughs> he gets he was. Everyone gets mad at Nori. Well, because he stands up like the stranger, like he gets all like this, the, the blankets and stuff on him, makes him kind of look like a monster. Then he pops his head out, and then his first words are like Nori because he knows her name. Um, and I do like how they kind of cut because instead of the Harfoot trying to grab weapons or trying to like attack, they all just 
camouflage in the background. So they kind of have their green cloaks and they just kind of hover down. So when he says Nori, everybody kind of slowly pops up. It's right, cool. right. Like the bushes become Harfoots. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty cool. We find out the punishment for bringing a stranger, the stranger, into the, I guess, family meeting is that you get decaravanned. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure decaravanned is what happened to Mickey O'Neill and Snatch. Um, oh, yes, the kind of fun. Yep. Pear ankle blue. <laughs> Nori's family is going to have to travel at the back, which, story conflict, the dad needed to be up front because he's got a bum leg. So mm-hmm. now something's going to happen. And the stepmom's not real happy with Nori. She's a stepmom? Did we establish that? Oh, yeah. Yes. Because okay. I don't know if you listened to the dad's long speech to her about how sad he was when his first oh, Harfoot okay. died and how he was so happy when he saw her dancing and they were they were trying to tug at your heartstrings and it worked. <laughs> I nailed it. <laughs> I nailed it. I nailed it deep in my heartstrings. It was a real punch in the heartstrings. We go from stepmom's not happy, which, I mean, yeah, story of, anyways, to Numenor, we've got a little, we've got a different family meeting. Mm-hmm. We've got Ellen Deal, Isildur, and the sister. Iarian. That's the one, having a family <laughs> meeting. And we find out that I guess there's some family not at the family meeting. Yeah, I didn't know this. They kind of make a quick mention of Isildur's brother, Anorian, who's apparently like on the West Coast. Because I, I don't, I don't know. You, you probably know more about this, but like, is Ellen Deal? They said he's part of noble family. He makes mention of like the former king who still like sides with the elves, is kind of like on the West Coast of this island, kind of like banished in his own kingdom. So my assumption is the fact that we know Isildur eventually becomes king is like that, like arm of the humans or whatever going to become the new royalty of this island i don't know that this stuff is laid out in the books and the lore so i think they might be making this stuff up for the show so i don't know what i do know is that it pretty much like started on the east coast and then as it got big like that west coast sound came out Mm. and that's when like snoop dogg and (laughs) insert in post in in post another (laughs) rapper um i'm assuming probably dc talk uh was a part of it um maybe the new kids or old kids of the block of numenor um they were west coast no marky mark's east coast so anyways uh, uh, you know you know what i'm saying obviously you know what i'm saying i'm not rambling but we then have something about, oh, they want to like focus on the past, the kids do, or at least relive the past, and the dad's like, now you're going to move forward or die. The dad yells at his kids, which happens at every family meeting. This <laughs> I cannot say this enough or too loudly. Every family meeting, the dad yells at the kids. That's why kids don't want to go to him. Uh, my father doesn't listen to this, so I'm going to get I yelled at. I drive a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> Remember that Will Ferrell skit? Oh, I, skit. yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Erin gets her acceptance letter to college out of nowhere. This turned into like some weird family sitcom out of nowhere. She's like, guess what, Dad? This is this is 
literally the cl- before they cut to commercial in like a TGIF like uh, I don't know Family Matters. This is what happens. I got my letter to college, and then I didn't know what was going on. She's joining the build the 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 guild the Builders Guild apprentice ship. She got her. I think they mentioned that some of like Isildur's friends mentioned like that she's always with her pen and paper or something like that or sketchbook or something so i think she's a designer would be my impression sure there is a moment here where she's like yeah i reapplied a silder to you know encourage me to and the mm-hmm. dad's like ah my boy a silder he's so uh, and he's gone <laughs> and he's gone anyways he's a that's, batman yes <laughs> no he didn't throw like the smoke down he just no. he just left <laughs> okay um, oh, he's you're like, talking just... about because if you look at the other table, that's mm-hmm. Alfred, and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> I picture you under the Eiffel Tower, you know, happy <laughs> with your wife." Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I got if it. you look closely, you could actually just see Isildur just ducked under the table, <laughs> <laughs> going shh <laughs> to the audience, breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, we cut to jail. Halbrand and Galadriel have a tension-filled talk where she found his sigil in a scroll i would like to know what the i don't know the ask jeeves of it all that's like hey here's the sigil go find the scroll and the it's the maester man is that what it is the maester's just like oh i recognized reading that 80 years ago when i was in my mid-40s yeah super old guy what else is he doing he's in the house of lore he's learning lore it's his job He's not watching TV shows, that's for sure. He's reading he's reading books, getting smart. Anyways, we find out that the men in the Southlands once gathered under a one banner and mm-hmm. Halbrand's of that line, but his ancestors swore the blood oath to Morgoth. Dun 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 <laughs> We get this like long speech or line from Gladio where she's like, you know, ours was no chance meeting, not fate nor destiny nor any other words men use to speak of the forces they lack the conviction to name. And I'm like, okay, that sounds cool, but, like, again, kind of a jerk way to say all that. Like, hey, you got, you're got you dumb, you can't comprehend this, so, I mean, I don't know, harsh but fair? Wait, what do you, I don't understand the, I don't understand the, the harsh part. What's, what's harsh? Like, telling men, like, they don't have the conviction to be able to name, like, because there, there's forces beyond their their uh, understanding so they, they can't even come up with a word for it it just seemed aggressive to me I no know I, I think what i think what she's saying there and the way i took it was like in this world there is a um and i'm i'm blanking on his name but there is a like a creator there's a god and so like i think they're like her her thing here is that like men lack the conviction to sit like to think that their fate is not their own that there's like a path destined for them mm-hmm. i felt like that's what she was saying not that they were too dumb to know <laughs> what it was i don't know that's uh that's how i took it but i i can see where you're i can see where you're mm-hmm. coming from maybe yeah maybe i'm too dumb to know <laughs> who knows <laughs> She's like, come with me. We'll redeem both of our bloodlines. This is where I was like pumped. I was like, oh yeah, let's mm-hmm. do let's do that. I don't care about anyone else. Let's just do that with you two. <laughs> yeah. Go redeem your bloodlines by smoking fools. <laughs> this is then where we cut to Queen 
Muriel, she goes to her father. Her father's because she's queen regent, which means she's queen, but like not kind of officially. She's like a stand-in, mm-hmm. and this is the father that is supposed to be friendly with the elves. And I don't think so, no, right? Because this is the one that like did not go with the elves, kind of a deal. The other one was like banished and kind of on like the west coast i think i don't know i guess we'll find out more but they they purposely make this ominous by like not showing the king just showing her perspective and her talking to the king saying hey the elf has arrived like that was some prophecy okay so ellen deal makes the comment that we still have a king but he was deposed because he liked elves and your assumption of that is that she is not related to that king she is related to i don't know else? yeah I don't know if I know. My my when she says father and she's the queen regent, my assumption is this is the king, right? Or a king? Yes. I don't know. We'll find out. I, mean, I don't she, know if we need to Was she oh. married to the king that was deposed? Maybe. I don't know. Like to me this isn't worth even digesting because we're going to figure this out. Like they're probably going to touch on it in the next episode. My only reason thinking here is why they didn't show the face is because they've already introduced so many characters. They don't want to throw another character on screen right now. Right. Right. And then they're going to use the same actor that was the elf watch warden. Um, <laughs> so that I'm just like, oh, hey, new guy. This guy's nice. Uh, we cut here to the Harfoot migration. A lot of sweet camouflage carts. Nora's family struggle- struggling. And the stranger's like, hey, I'm taller than all of you by at least four feet. Let me pull the cart. Free labor. Huzzah. Well, free labor. I feel like uh, Nori's helping him out, so it's it's mutual, but certainly very easy, imagine, for the stranger to just push this cart than it is for all these Harfoots to, to try to yank it. So it's uh, people helping people. Yeah, people helping people. Let's pull on this thread, right? The stranger knows these guys are going on this migration, and he knows that he doesn't have leverage on them unless he breaks her dad's foot so that they are forced to go slow and do his bidding Tom, the stranger planned all of this so that he could get their help. Tell me I'm wrong. I never thought about that. I like the idea. I don't know if I agree with it, but I like the string that you are pulling on. Okay. The stranger's bad, breaks people's ankle. is for free. For And then he's like passively aggressively like oh your ankle's broken i guess i'll help with the wagon how'd that Friend? happen Friend. <laughs> did you trip did a stick break near you we then go from there to orc camp orc camp is where my parents sent me every summer in upstate new york for at least six weeks uh, where we were all supposed to lose weight and feel good about ourselves <laughs> Until Ben Stiller took over. <laughs> I'm feeling skinny, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Lars. My camp counselor was Lars. He was great. We used to hide candy in the bedposts. Uh, is Keenan in that? Is Keenan? 100% is. Yeah. Yes. So is Goldberg. Oh, man. Anyways, back at Orc Camp, Aaron Deal gets out of his bunk to lead a little bit of rebellion. Uh, he does a cool chain fight thing as they're fighting there. They're trying to break their chains so they can escape. They do some orc fighting. Uh, they they showed this like chain fight jump thing in the previews, but it was mm-hmm. pretty cool. I liked it. 
Yeah, I like it was kind of silly at first where they're whipping the chains around, but like like the momentum of the chain kind of coming around and then like snapping the orc right in the face, I thought was kind of cool. It's just neat because like you haven't seen it before to your point. Um, and like that dramatic like running up the taut chain and then just I thought he was gonna like stab some orc in the face, but he just hits the uh, what the the canopies or the umbrellas. The umbrellas and it kind of yeah puts all the vampire orcs uh, to run away. Yeah, all the umbrellas pop out and i just like to say that because of this scene those of you that go to a gym will probably see someone in a gym flicking those ropes up and down uh and it's simply because they watched this episode they then release a warg which everyone loves a warg dog mm-hmm. i think the design of this is kind of cool it's like crazy rabid and just like the eyes are bulging out of its head um he eventually gets the warg like trapped under the tree and then I do appreciate the idea here where uh, Aaron Deere like snaps off a twig as the orcs kind of yank on the chain. So he comes flying back and then uses this part of the tree that he was forced to cut down to cut down an orc. Sure. I thought that was poetic. Sure. No, that is that is good when he whispered, forgive me tree earlier and chopped it down. And then later, without asking any forgiveness, he takes part of that tree <laughs> and murders someone with it. Very good. Our boy, the Watch Warden, gets free, runs up the side, and we'll never know where he goes because he disappears <laughs> into the land to go bring back an army. And then we fade to black. End of episode. <laughs> Not quite. I feel like this is very much a, a, a Boromir moment, right? Where our hero kind of seemingly is going to save the day or go and bring an army, um, but just gets riddled with arrows and slow-mo. Turns looks sad, dies. And once again, I was like, oh, that character we just met this episode. Poor guy. Sorry that he died. <laughs> Didn't even know his name. Rivian. Aaron Deere gets dragged out, and we get this slow motion walk-in from Adar, and we get a clear picture of who he is. Now, did you recognize this actor from anything else, Tom, when Adar showed up and we could clearly yeah. see his face? He's been typecast because he's just only in fuzzy scenes because that's just sure. where his face looks. Um, sure. So he's always a background actor, but yeah. it's good to see him getting some foreground work. Yeah, you see him a lot in shows where like, they don't sign the release and they have to blur out the face. That's <laughs> yeah. the same actor that plays this guy. <laughs> but yeah, I... I, I I like this because I like the idea of like teasing Sauron, or kind of a, our new big bad, and not like waiting... I don't know, season two or like, you know, the very last episode of this series or this season to kind of then show him. I like the idea that we might see him sooner than later. Oh, I think we're going to see him soon. I think we're going to mm. see him very soon. <laughs> I enjoyed this one. I think I enjoyed the back half more. I enjoyed where Galadriel's like, listen, Halbrand, let's go wreck mm -hmm. shop. Like, let's do this. I was like, okay, I'm in on that storyline. I like Ellen Deal. I think he's going to play a big part. And all of this. And I'm super excited in nine days that those kids get to go on the trials and become sea guardians <laughs> because that's something people care about and is a mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, I look forward to episode four. That will put us halfway through the first season. Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying the journey once again. There's some stuff I don't understand. It all looks beautiful. Everyone's acting their heart out and it looks great. So no complaints here. Tom, 
tell us what's going to happen over the next five episodes. Where are we gonna Where are we gonna land? Give me all of your all of your theories, all of your thoughts, or you can simply say I don't know because that's kind of where I'm at. I don't know, but uh, I'm with you. I'm having fun with this series. It is it is tough because I do think pacing is difficult with this many characters because I mean there's characters that have gone another path. So we've saw like the doors, we saw like other stuff that did not even get any screen time in this episode. And I kind of feel like it's it's tough for a show like this because if you do grasp onto one storyline and you don't get it for another week or two, it's tough to kind of full feel fully invested, especially for a show that's only got eight episodes, an hour apiece. So I'm still having fun with it. Um I I do understand maybe some of the criticism that's kinda of out there about the show being Maybe a little bit more challenging to watch, but if you're all in on it and you you know at least have some appreciation for the lore, I think it's still it's still fun. And I'm hoping they give us little kind of twists and turns as we go throughout the throughout the series. Yep, I agree. All right, well, we have enjoyed talking about it. For those of you that are hanging out with us and listening, we appreciate you. We do want to apologize just for like when we're releasing these. We typically release them at the same time, but just the way that two were released and then one was. The schedule's a little bit off, but we're committed to getting to you at least once a week after the episode drops, so we appreciate you hanging out with us. If you'd like to reach out, um, and please do, because we enjoy hearing from you as well. I need other people to agree with me that they did (laughs) not know who those two elves were. Um, You can reach us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter. Tom tells me we have an Instagram, but he won't give me any of the details. (laughs) And because I would use them for evil, I would. I really would. I'm the last person you want to have an Instagram account. But we also wanted to do something that Tom and I talked about, which was uh, obviously we've got a ton of time on our hands because this show only takes an hour and recording only takes, I don't know, how long do these last 15 minutes of podcasting? (laughs) So we wanted to talk about, just make a recommendation of some other media that we've um, we've tried out or been watching. And so um, I'll go first, Tom, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about two things. One, Tom and I started this podcast because of Ted Lasso. I went back and rewatched the pilot episode of Ted Lasso, and it's just a great show. If you if you haven't given it a try, if you're joining us and um, you caught us on like after we did Lasso, go watch Lasso. If you've already watched Lasso, go watch it again. It's such mm-hmm. a good show. We the the upbeat uh, outlook of of Lasso. Uh, I really enjoyed. So that's something I I went and revisited. Tom, do you have something that you're watching outside of this that you would recommend? Uh, Not shows. Uh, I will say me and my wife just watched the movie Moonfall over the weekend, which which dropped on HBO Max. And it's one of these like disaster porn movies that is just, you know, everything blows up for the sake of blowing up. The storyline is beyond bonkers. It has some big names in it that kind of brought people to the seats. That's uh, written and directed by, uh, I'm not sure if it's directed by, but by the same guy that did like the Independence Day. I think its name is uh, Roland Emmerich, if okay. I have that correct. Um, but just, it it was dumb. If you want to turn your brain off for an hour and a half, or actually I think it might be two hours, which is too long. Oof. But uh, it was it was a fun time. So give that a go. Sure, sure. Oh, the, the last thing I want to recommend for both of us is we have both been watching Welcome to Wrexham about oh, the yeah. soccer club that Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney bought. 
And if you like Lasso, there's a lot of similarities there, just mm-hmm. about like what a club means to people. You don't even have to be a soccer fan to enjoy it. Yeah, um, a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of heart, and it's uh, it's fun to watch. So those are other things that you can give a go as you're waiting for the next episode of Rings of Power to drop. But we appreciate you hanging out with us. I have been Julian. And I have been Tom. See you next time, everybody.